between the years 2017 to 2019, there was a total of $165.7 million in direct losses of all the major players by this group. Introducing the Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mike Carroll, International President of the IAFCI. I'm here today with Mark Solomon, our International VP. Mark, we have such a great guest today and a very, very interesting topic. When you think about fraud, this topic never came to my mind. Why don't you tell us about today's speaker? I'd be happy to. Uh, We're honored to have here with us today one of the leading experts on coupon fraud investigations in the United States. He has worked on numerous industry initiatives and has managed the Coupon Information Center, what we call the CIC, since it began operations in 1986. He has worked numerous criminal investigations with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies. And we would love to welcome to our podcast, IFCI Presents the Protectors, the executive director of the CIC, Bud Miller. Hey, Bud. Hey, Mike. Mark, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Bud, thank you for taking the time to come on today. Bud, i got to ask you, Mark mentioned it, the CIC, that's the Coupon Information Center. Can you tell me, like, when did that start, and uh, what are some of the initiatives out of the CIC? Uh, Well, it took about a year to set up, and we began operations in June of 1986, We are a not-for-profit association of uh, consumer product manufacturers uh, that issue coupons. Uh, We have 44 members, approximately 80% of the industry. And our goal is to fight coupon fraud, number one, uh, identifying issues and working with law enforcement for prosecutions, and number two, through uh, loss prevention practices, trying to beat the criminals before they can take it from us. Now, Bud, uh, Mike and I, Mike did around uh, close to 30 years in federal law enforcement. I did uh, more than 20 in in local law enforcement. And you know what? Uh, Fraud, cyber crimes, uh, financial crimes have been a part of our lives forever. But there are so many different types of frauds out there. People forget that coupon fraud can be pretty large-scale operations. Can you tell us a little bit about these criminal groups and how they operate and how they commit coupon fraud? Probably the one that's most to interest of people's minds right now is a case of Lori Ann and Pacifico Talons. Uh, Their case was just recently prosecuted, and it resulted in a jail sentence for Lori Ann of 12 years and seven years, three months for Pacifico, and a restitution order of $31 million. Uh, record for industry in uh, counterfeit coupons. And uh, they ran a very sophisticated case. It was all through uh, social media. And Lorianne had a wide-ranging background, including owning a graphic arts company. Uh, She knew about uh, POS systems, which is point-of-sale systems, essentially the cash registers in layman's term. And she knew about high-technology security. She even had a passing acquaintance with operational security, so it was very hard to locate her, which is part of the challenge of identifying any type of Internet-based fraud. So she created a huge amount of counterfeits. 
uh, worked with other counterfeiters across the country uh, and compiled a lot of information on them. She maintained a nationwide network of people that would take her suspect coupons and test them at different retailers and detect that, compile all that, and try to improve her product. Uh, what she didn't count on was CIC and the work we were doing uh, with one of her clients uh, that led to her downfall. Hey, Bud, can I ask you, okay, coupon fraud, these two are related to counterfeit coupons. So they would go into a store, just to give an example of something for a dollar, they present a coupon and they get it for a counterfeit coupon and they'll get it for 50 cents. What do they do next? Is that something that they resell on the Internet? And how does the fraud occur? First of all, I, I would add a couple of dollars to those numbers. Uh, counterfeiters generally get the product free or nearly free, so usually at least a 50 to 60% discount, often 90%. There's even counterfeits out there that the value of the counterfeit exceeds the price of the product that will result in the store sometimes actually providing the person using the counterfeit coupon with either cash or store credit or the ability to transfer the money to gift cards. Uh, so that right there is an immediate source of income for the criminals when that occurs. Uh, then what they tend to do is they really don't care about the product in most cases, the professional organizations involved in counterfeiting. They want to resell it. They want to convert it to cash. Um, so that causes extra problems for the retailers because not only are they losing money on the actual counterfeiting issue, uh, they're helping create or they're being the, the criminals are creating unfair competition to them. Um, you know, imagine if you're a retailer, how do you compete against somebody who's getting their product at 90 to 100 percent discount, uh, has no regulation and most likely doesn't pay any taxes? So, Bud, you know, not that we want to give out any secret details here if there are any fraudsters listening, but how difficult is it to uh, make a counterfeit coupon? I mean, what type of knowledge do you have to have in order to create these and mass produce these documents? Um, well, the big challenge is, you know, creating the artwork. Uh, a good graphic artist can do that. Uh, understanding and learning how to exploit the barcode system. Uh, which is a system designed to provide information. It is not um, a particular security system in and of itself. Uh, it's for verification. So it does take some talent. It does take some practice. And the sophisticated criminal groups actually have the jobs broken down. So they'll have one person who will specialize in the graphics. They'll have another person that will be called a coder that will create uh, the barcodes, things like that, test to make sure that they work. Uh, and, you know, they organize together on the Internet, social media, uh, and then once they create their product, uh, they have to market it and resell it because most of them are reselling them uh, to other people who generally know that they're counterfeit. There's always a few people that are, you know, kind of innocents out there, but in this time period, most people know, particularly in the avenues where they're selling them, that they are indeed buying counterfeit coupons. You know, protecting yourself from counterfeit coupons, there's three areas, retailers, consumers, manufacturers. What can retailers do as far as prevention to prevent their stores from taking counterfeit coupons? Is there something to look for? There's a lot of free services, a lot of opportunities that retailers can take advantage of. 
and you know frankly there really is no reason for them uh, to become victims of counterfeit coupons if they just take a few steps uh, the first one is to institute some type of uh, protection preferably automated at their uh, point-of-sale system uh, CIC provides a free uh, database uh, or you know, file listing of known counterfeit coupons that we have verified are indeed counterfeit, uh, and, and we provide those to any retailer that wants them. There is no charge for that. It is a free service, and they can use that so every time they scan a coupon uh, in their POS, it will automatically bounce it against that uh, system to see whether or not it's a known counterfeit to us. That can be remarkably effective, doesn't require uh, hardly any training on the cashier's part, and is automated and can check everything. You know, frankly, really good security just slides through and never touches, you know, the normal consumers, which we would not want to do. Um, obviously, there can be some challenges with having a, a sophisticated POS system uh, for folks that don't have uh, that ability. CIC is in the process of rolling out a free app. It is available to retailers and law enforcement. Um, and hopefully there'll be a, a, a link you can provide for people to uh, you know, register for the app. But it works on Android or Apple phones. You, you know, activate the app, you scan the barcode, and it will tell you in probably less than a second, maybe two seconds if you have a slow connection, um, whether or not we are aware it's a counterfeit. So you can make a decision right there on the spot, or you can use it afterwards to kind of do an after-action review. Additionally, if you're still suspicious of a coupon, but we're not aware that it's a counterfeit, you can use that app to report the images and the barcode to us, so we can then check with our sources in the industry and verify whether or not it is a counterfeit. And we'll get back to the user to let them know. So, but I'm afraid to ask this question because I'm not sure if I want to hear the answer and our listeners may be shocked when you give us this answer, but what is the financial impact of counterfeit coupons on the United States? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. And uh, there's a couple ways we can break it down. First of all, I want you to know that these are the most currently available numbers an independent group, uh, the Center on Shadow Economics, just did a study this year on that. And between the years 2017 to 2019, there was a total of $165.7 million in direct losses. That's how much the manufacturers and the retailers lost directly to counterfeit coupons, and that was based upon a months-long study, several months that put the information together, of all the major players by this group uh, to get that figure. They then took those numbers and worked uh, with the University of Arizona and went to find out, okay, what does this mean for everybody else? Because we know the direct victims lost $165 million between 2017 and 2019. What was its impact? And the impact is a loss of 2,178 jobs, $143.1 million in labor income lost, $26.4 million in federal taxes lost, 
15.5 million in state and local taxes lost for and a total impact of a reduction in the gross domestic product of 229 million dollars. Wow. Uh, and that was just from 2017 to 2019. But you mentioned that uh, counterfeit coupons can be converted into uh, gift cards, but I'm thinking what what is like the number one or top items that are purchased with counterfeit coupons as far as like electronics or notions or food or what are the fraudsters looking for? Great question. Like like anything else, they want something they can resell. So it can be a shelf-stable product, um, something you, let's say you go to a flea market and you see all this brand new consumer products, detergents, uh, bathroom sprays, all sorts of things like that that doesn't need to be refrigerated or handled particularly delicately. That's the type of stuff they really tend to go for um, overall. We do get the occasional, well, we do get some uh, counterfeits for, uh, you know, products that can spoil that need to be refrigerated, but most of it is this shelf-stable stuff that can be resold and preferably a high value for a, a small size of a package. And Bud, when we're talking about these organizations here, we're talking about ringleaders or people that are running these uh, groups. They're not the ones actually going out and using the counterfeit coupons as stores. Is that correct? I mean, is there a hierarchy to these uh, sophisticated groups? The smart ones um, are the ones behind the scenes who are selling the coupons to somebody else or they're having somebody else use them. We do get the occasional person who wants to, you know, do it themselves but it's more efficient for the criminals to put together an organization and, you know, try to hide. But I wanted to ask you about those that are involved in this type of scam. You got your higher ups, but you got the ones that are recruited to use these coupons. Are those people that are recruited on social media and are they witting or unwitting participants? Are some of them not knowing what they're doing is illegal? Uh, well, they'll always use the excuse they had no knowledge what they were doing was wrong. Um, right. That really doesn't hold much water. You know, when we're in some of these groups, when we observe the conversations, people will specifically say, hey, you know, don't get caught. They'll have advice about what to do if they do get caught. You know, uh, shut your cell phone off, you know, you know, quit the group, you know, don't give them anything, don't cooperate. You'd be surprised uh, uh, what you see on social media. Uh, but yeah, at, at this point, there's there's always a chance of an innocent victim, but it's getting exceedingly rare at this point. There's been a lot of publicity, particularly about the Talons case, about the impact that counterfeit coupons have on people. Good point related to other schemes and frauds that are out there where the participants are witting or unwitting. It takes a good interview to get to them admit knowledge, guilt, intent that they're that they knew what they were doing was illegal and wrong. We've literally seen you know posts about social engineering and how to say, well, I got the coupon off the internet. You know that's a typical excuse that we use, or I had no idea. So um, we we do see that frequently, and. Um, yeah, you know, that makes for some good documentation. 
So, Bud, I know we, we talked about how to protect retailers and identifying counterfeit coupons. What about the consumers are out there? You know, I know a lot of friends and family members are always looking for a discount, a couple dollars off this and that. What advice do you have to the consumers out there that might be looking to uh, receive any type of coupons or purchase any coupons that they see on the Internet? Sure. I'll be happy to help there. First of all, most people and most consumers are honest and most coupons are legitimate, so we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. However, consumers can easily protect themselves from counterfeit coupons by never paying money for coupons. They should also be advised that some of the coupon sellers will say, I'm not selling you coupons, I'm selling my service or my time, or you're just copying me for my gas and effort, things like that. That's all an invalid disclaimer. The simple fact is if somebody wants your money for coupons, they're selling you coupons, and there's no easy way around that. And invariably, any large seller of coupons that we've seen over years of, of working in this area. If they're a large seller and they have a regular supply of coupons, it is 99.999% stolen or counterfeit. So don't pay for coupons and you'll be uh, almost completely protected. Other thing to understand that if you're buying coupons from somebody, what else are they involved in? What other activities? They, you know, it's an inappropriate activity at best, and it's a criminal organization at worst. Do you really want to give them your financial data or your home address or even a PO box to these folks? So, Bud, I'm feeling a new slogan here. If you have to pay for it, you're getting played for it. What do you think? Ooh, I like that. I like that because <laughs> okay. it's true. It is, it is true. There's Manufacturers do not sell their coupons. They give them away for free. Um, and, uh, you know, there are plenty of ways that an average person can get coupons from their Sunday newspaper. is the number one method of coupon distribution. But you can get them from manufacturers' websites or their authorized uh, distributors. Um, you know, a vendor like a coupons.com or a RevTrax. Um, those companies are perfectly legitimate and those coupons should be fine. If you're ever in doubt, you can always contact the manufacturer. Uh, but they should take anything they read on social media with a grain of salt. Uh, and then finally, to steal the, the adage from the, the F, uh, FTC, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Nobody's giving away free money. Hey, Bud, one more question. When you talk about how big coupon fraud is, wasn't there a movie that came out not too long ago? Vince Vaughn played the part of a postal inspector, and who played you, Robert De Niro? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, uh, I, I wasn't in the movie, unfortunately, but I, I think you're referring to a comedy of errors. That movie had probably the severest critics' reaction to any movie in my lifetime. Um, the Los Angeles Times um, said that the movie was a crime against your time. Uh, Washington <laughs> Post panned it. Uh, the Miami Herald also didn't care for it. Uh, almost universally, um, you know, renounced by the critics. Uh, it was an unfortunate movie, but frankly, everybody thinks it was inspired by a counterfeit coupon case in Phoenix. And, you know, inspiration is a lot different from fact-based. 
the movie itself doesn't go into counterfeit coupons at all. Uh, so it was, it was quite the surprise. Well, I heard uh, Vince Vaughn played the great part of uh, United States Postal Inspector. Vince Vaughn did a great job portraying a postal inspector, and uh, yeah, a lot of them are very tough. They're all very good. Uh, they know their jobs. They're very good professionals, and um, he really bought some uh, credit to that role in the movie. Now, Bud, I know you, I know you're saying that because Mike uh, is with the Postal Inspection Service. But be honest, is it the local cops that are better than the than the postal inspectors? There you go. Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, well, as you know, we work with all levels of law enforcement and all have advantages during the situation. It, you know, it depends. Each case is unique. Uh, so we're happy to work with any level of law enforcement. And frequently, you know, when people come to us with the coupon fraud case, uh, we do our best to make sure that they can coordinate with other law enforcement folks. And, you know, we don't want to have any duplication of effort going on there. So uh, we're happy to um, uh, work in that area. Yeah, we got them uh, on the federal level. We got the uh, mail fraud statute. So that's a plus. Um, mail fraud is probably the number one charge used against people engaged in coupon fraud. Uh, beyond that, you've got conspiracy charges. Uh, you have uh, tax cases, um, uh, so the IRS can have a role in it as well. Um, you can have the electronic transmission, uh, so you can get the FBI involved. Uh, coupons are a financial instrument, so you can get the Secret Service involved if the um, uh, situation merits it. Um, you know, it all varies, uh, but uh, the mail fraud statutes are probably the most uh, flexible and the most appropriate for uh, many of our cases because if a lot of people will sell counterfeits and put those through the mails, uh, and then in the normal course of processing, coupons are sent through the mails from the retailer to the people that process their coupons. Uh, so mail fraud is almost uh, invariably involved in any of these cases. Hey, but when I'm thinking of coupon fraud, I'm thinking, okay, a dollar off batteries, uh, $2 off a uh, loaf of bread. But being down in Florida, do you have any cases that you worked present or in the past where that dollar loss was astronomical, where a lot of money went to the fraudsters? you, you think of any cases that you worked that relate to that? Uh, we've had quite a few. In fact, CIC's first large case was based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, where an individual by the name of Larry Krasnick ran a chain of non-existent businesses. Um, literally, he and his gang would go around, set up a store, um, have uh, you know product on the shelves. Actually, they were empty boxes duct taped or glued to the store shelves. Uh, they'd have a cash register in there. They cut the cord off the cash register so it'd be easier to move because they'd keep on tripping up on it. So they'd set up these, you know, small stores, uh, start submitting coupons, and first slowly and then, you know, higher volumes. They had a, a chopping operation where they chopped legitimate coupons. Um, and as soon as they thought they passed all the security 
issues out there, and you know they've been verified as being a real store. They'd close up shop, continue to send in coupons, and just set up the next store. So there, I think, were over a hundred defendants in that case, um, um, and the total financial cost for that one case was forty-four million dollars. Uh, fortunately, the industry has enhanced its security where a situation like that would be very, very difficult um, to replicate at this point. Uh, so that was the first big one, and it was uh, in sunny Florida. Um, we've had other cases. We've taken out over $60 million of uh, uh, coupon fraud in the Philadelphia area. Uh, individual cases, but one would lead to the next one. That was a fantastic team of the Postal Inspection Service, the IRS, and the AUSAs all working together, uh, and that went on for a number of years. Uh, we had a case in Detroit, Michigan at $87 million. And what was interesting in that, that was a highly organized crime case, is that um, FBI agents were able to introduce marked coupons into the stream of the crime. And at that time, uh, approximately 800 stores out of the total 1,000 stores in the greater Detroit area attempted to redeem those coupons. Uh, so that really kind of lit up the radar screen there. So we were able to put that one down. Uh, so those are some of the, the larger cases there. We've also taken on industry corruption. That does occur in every industry, so we've been very active uh, in that area as well. But I was going to ask, we talked earlier about the retailers. Do you have like any prevention material that we could give to like our retail investigators that are part of our organization, the IFCI? I would be happy to put something together for them, either a PowerPoint uh, I would be happy to talk with them if that would be appropriate. Everything that we do to help retailers fight counterfeit uh, coupons is free of charge, and that range from providing them you know, access to the CAC early warning file, to the app, to support for their investigations. Um, we routinely work with some retailers that if they get a suspect coupon, they'll send it in to us. We want to get that all automated through the app shortly, um, but uh, we can confirm it. We can work with the manufacturer and get an, you know, basically a statement put together uh, that you know they can use to get probable cause for a search warrant, things like that, or for prosecution. So we'd be happy to support any retailers in your organization um, in this fight. Well, Bud, with the IFCI, we have various uh, industry groups, and one of them is Retail Organized Crime, and uh, we could hook you up with them. Uh, they do monthly or bi-monthly teleconferences, and uh, we could get you to chairperson for that group and uh, hook you up with them. I would greatly appreciate that. And, you know, like I say, we're a not-for-profit. Uh, we'll be happy to spend the time and uh, save them money. That's the goal, save everybody money. And Bud, do you have any uh, general tips for law enforcement that work these cases or get complaints from a retailer or manufacturers? Or uh, I don't want to give away any trade craft here, but uh, you know, what advice do you have for law enforcement when they get uh, approached with these type of cases? Well, I don't want to be too self-serving, but call me, write to me. Uh, okay. Everything, just so you know, everything we do for law enforcement is also free of charge. If I'm going to do testimony somewhere, which I've done, 
um, you know, I don't have a consultant fee or anything like that. I, you know, I don't get paid for that time. Uh, I get my expenses paid for. But, um, you know, contact us. If we can't, we've seen numerous different types of of coupon fraud cases over the years. If we haven't seen something yet, is there something new and unique? Uh, we'll figure it out. But chances are we have something in our files or in our thoughts or within our different industry contacts where we can get through all the technology, through all the buzzwords, and we can simplify it. Uh, we need to make sure that the investigator understands it, that the investigator understands the industry needs and vice versa. That is a two-way street. Uh, we keep everything confidential. Uh, we have never had a security leak from my office about a, a fraud case. Uh, so we can support it from the initial inquiry through the process. When law enforcement does their investigations, we can provide advice. Um, so we're happy to help. So number one, Give me a call. Contact me. And if I can't help you, I'll find somebody who can. Bud, thank you for what you're doing. And God bless, you know, the fight that you're putting up against these fraudsters that are committing uh, coupon fraud. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put your contact information, email, phone number on our show notes. Uh, so if any law enforcement agencies are working some cases or need some assistance uh, or retailers, they can reach out to you. So we appreciate you being on the show. And uh, this was just a, a great informative podcast today. Yeah, same here, bud. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for what you do to protect our citizens, our retailers, and manufacturers. And as being a guest on our show, we're going to send you two coupons for some free postage stamps. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And, you know, just want people to know, particularly law enforcement retailers, that we're here to help and everything is free. And, bud, I got one more slogan here. Let's tell the coupon fraudsters to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guests' opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.